Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. It's an honor to be here with you. And I don't want to uh, waste a lot of time. I mean, you hear the show, you know who I am. But I do have a special guest um, with us uh, this morning, Andrew Rappaport. And Andrew, as you probably know, because I mentioned his name, he's the executive director of the Christian podcast community. And Andrew is here to answer some theological questions that I had sent in. And I, I remember the last show we did with questions and answers that you guys really appreciated that. Well, I got Andrew in here. We're going to pick his brain for a couple of shows. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Andrew and let you know who he is, where you can engage with him or listen to some stuff that he does. Um, He's an interesting guy. And Andrew, if you could let him know that book you wrote. I I don't know if you wrote more than one book, but let them know that book because that's that's I think that would be a good read and for people. But anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Andrew. He's no stranger to podcasting. Um, so, and then we'll get, get on with the questions after Andrew introduces himself and lets you know who he is. Well, thanks for having me, Dominic. Yes, I'm Andrew Rapport, the Executive Director of Striving for Eternity Ministry and also the Christian Podcast Community. Uh, my podcasts that I do regularly are the Rap Report, that's Rap with Two Ps, which we're, where we try to do biblical interpretations and applications for all things in the Christian life and culture we also i have another podcast where it's a live stream so you can go to apologeticslive.com that's the name of the show is apologetics live we there thursday nights 8 to 10 eastern time we can answer any question you have about god and the bible and if you doubt that come and join us on thursday night ask me your most difficult question just remember when i say i don't know i think that's a perfectly good answer <laughs> Uh, my books that you mentioned, I have two books out that I've written on my own, which is What Do We Believe?, which is a Christian systematic theology, only about 200 pages, so it's not that intimidating. Then the other book is What Do They Believe?, which is a systematic theology of the major Western religions dealing with Judaism, Catholicism, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, and lastly, Christianity. And it looks at six doctrines, systematizing them from their own authorities, looking at their view of what their authority is, their view of God, specifically the Trinity, their view of Jesus Christ, man's sinfulness, salvation, end times. So it's written in such, those both books are written in such a way that if you want to just do a quick reference, if you're looking to just get something to to look, just maybe you have Jehovah's Witnesses coming to the house and you want to know what their view is on salvation, you can just read those few pages to cover that. I've contributed to a few other books, but you can see them all at strivingfraternity.org. Thanks, Andrew. Good stuff. And uh, please get those books. They're, they're interesting reads. Andrew, Andrew is an interesting guy, to say the least. So um, is that just because I'm from Jersey and you're from New York? I just want to know. We're trying to keep we're trying to. This is street talk theology, not street talk geography. I'm only kidding. But um, so, Andrew, I'm looking at some of these questions and, and some of them are practical. Some of them are theological. 
So this is an interesting one here. You know, Andrew, coming from a Jewish background, when I seen this come in, it says this is quoting Proverbs 35 and 6 and Revelation 22, 18, where it says in the word of God clearly commands us not to add to God's word. But the chosen series clearly does. Why does it seem okay for everyone to watch it or is it? Have we lost reverence for God's word? That's an interesting question, right? I mean, yeah. Read, read the first part of that again. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to go too fast. I want to. And let me just tell you something. I did not go over these with Andrew beforehand, so we want to give him time to contemplate and and answer. It says in Proverbs. I didn't read Proverbs thirty-five and six because I just got this uh, over the email in Revelation twenty-two eighteen, which I'm familiar with in the word of God, clearly commands us not to add to God's word, but the chosen series clearly does. Why does it seem okay for everyone to watch it? Or is it, have we lost reverence for God's word? Okay. So I had to look up the Proverbs. So, okay. There are a couple different issues with this question. First off, let's deal with the hermeneutics of it. Proverbs is speaking about not adding to God's word. There's three actually times that we see that uh, Deuteronomy, Proverbs, and then Revelation about not adding to the word of God. A movie is not actually adding to the word of God because it's not saying this is scripture. Adding to the word of God would be something like the Book of Mormon and saying that this is scripture. It's adding something equal in authority to God's word, calling it scripture. This would be similar to what the Catholic Church would do when they say that the church the magisterium, tradition, those are equal in authority to scripture. That's adding to the word of God because you're you're saying this is authoritative in one's life. That's what those three are, are speaking about. It, it clearly is not saying you can't continue scripture because, well, after Deuteronomy, we have a lot of scripture that was added. And after Proverbs, we have a lot of scripture that was added. Now, we haven't had anything since the book of Revelation so at that point, we say that the canon, the canon is just a word that refers to measurement of what is scripture. That we say is closed because we're not adding to the scriptures anymore. So let's just be really precise in the in the language and the terminology. When we're speaking of those passages, it's it's referring to adding to scripture and calling it scripture. The chosen films or movie. I guess series is not <clears throat> adding to scripture. So it, that passage wouldn't fit in the context to the chosen. Why are people watching the chosen? I, I will admit upfront, I have not seen the series, so I can't speak definitively on it per se, but from those who I know who watched it said that the first season was pretty accurate. Uh, it wasn't until really the third season, it's, and it's been gaining attraction. The third season is where there's we start to see issues. Many people have complained because by the third season, now you have Jesus working on a sermon and not knowing what he's going to say and not knowing things. That becomes a major issue. And what are we going to do? We're going to compare what the film is, how it's depicting Jesus compared to what the Bible says about Jesus. And that's where we have the the issue with it. There's a lot of people that make the issue because I believe that they film it in Utah. They use a studio that's Mormon owned. Now, if you use a studio that's Mormon owned, but you're you're paying for the studio, 
I may not have such a big deal with that because if you're in Utah, everything is owned by Mormons. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if they live in Utah, it's like, okay, yeah. But the defense that he makes for Mormonism could be quite concerning. Uh, a lot of people make issue over the fact that there was an LGBT flag on, you know, one of the cameramen, I guess, had that. Again, do they hire only Christians? Um, I, I do think we have to be careful not to nitpick. Mm. But at the same time, the more serious thing that I would have concern with is in this last season where they're they're depicting a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. That is concerning. And I think that as they continue this series, I think history has shown that once you start going down the path of trying to you know, open it up to more people and get it to be something that more and more people will be part of and watch, you start walking away from the narrow path of scripture. And so I anticipate that it'll probably be like many other works where it may start, it may start off well, but it's not going to probably end well. If they're depicting Jesus as not being all knowing, then they're, they're already off on a wrong path. Yeah, and I've heard I've I've heard some colloquy to that that the people have watched the first series and then kind of as it went on they just stopped watching it because it got a little radical or uh, like you said and again I've 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 watched a little bit of the first series but um, I never watched it really after that um, so yeah and then I think Andrew's um, Andrew's play on that is make sure that when we read in scripture we can you know, hermeneutically line it up rightly. But uh, again, I guess there would be freedom in watching this. But then when you get to maybe the third series, it would seem to be almost heresy, maybe if if, if we're hearing right, because I know you haven't watched it, but it would be almost heretical to watch it then if they're depicting Jesus in a different way than the Bible is. Would that yeah. be fair? Yeah, that would, that would be fair. And, okay, and so what's with you with the big words there? Oh, I don't. Yeah, that's I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get. I'm trying to get smart like Andrew. Um, so here's an. This is a good one. I like when we get these practical ones, um, and we'll get to some theological ones too. Um, should I use a person's preferred pronouns? Question mark. Example: If I have a coworker who is a transgendered male and wants to be referred as a she or a her or vice versa, should I accommodate that on the job? This is really a difficult question for people in working secular jobs for a lot of reasons, but there's ways of dealing with it. So this is street talk theology, and I do street witnessing, right? So I'm I'm known for you doing sure do. evangelism. <laughs> and many years ago in New York, they actually passed a law that it was a $250,000 fine if you use a wrong pronoun. Yeah, that's right. I see. Are it. you it's kidding? Nope. I am curious who gets the money, whether it's the person who files the claim or the city. I'm guessing it's probably the city, but I did not want to have to pay a quarter of a million dollars because, well, I don't kind of have that sort of money. So not uh, laying around anyway, right? Yeah, no, no, not laying around. Maybe <laughs> maybe if we're going to count treasures in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> but I being a street evangelist, being that I deal with who knows what is going to be thrown at me. The first time I got challenged, I had a guy, big, six foot four, six foot six guy, heavy set, probably 300 pounds, big beard, overdoing the makeup, wanted me to call him her. And 
just real quick, I just, I'm like, how am I going to deal with this? Well, I had a game plan in case it ever happened. As soon as he said that, I, I turned and I said, well, my pronoun is your majesty. And you have to bow when you say it. And people always go, I'm not doing that. Okay, well, if you don't respect my pronoun, I'm not respecting yours. And that has saved me. I even have on my phone, I, I put your majesty as my as my nickname. So that if I turn to my phone and ask who I am, it says, well, you're Andrew, but since we're friends, I'm allowed to call you your majesty. So <laughs> it, there's, there's sometimes ways we can avoid it altogether. I use names. I will ask someone their name. Now, you still have the dilemma we had on the apologetics live show, we had a guy named Brenda. Well, he was a guy, he wanted to be called Brenda and he insisted that we call him Brenda. So I just kept referring to him as the guy called the guy, the guy named Brenda. <laughs> okay. So now at work, it becomes really difficult because when you have people like that, they are looking to make an issue. And I've been asked several times about this. What do I do at work? The thing is, use their name. If they've changed their name, there's plenty of times you can avoid both. And, you know, there's times we went out to a restaurant, a bunch of us, we were out evangelizing, we got done, we went to to go have dinner and debrief. And we had a waiter, clearly a guy who was transitioning. Um, now, it was difficult for us. One of the things I do, Dominic, we, we haven't gone out to to have a meal together yet well that's that's on the agenda right it's on the agenda but when we do one of the things i do is i will always ask my waiter or waitress I'll, I'll ask for their name they give me the name and then I'll, I'll ask i'll say look we're christians we're going to be praying for a meal i want to pray specifically for you is there anything i could pray specifically for you that really opens the door to first that i'm a christian but second that i care for them and then when i try to share the gospel it, it's just a lot easier in doing so but a lot of times we get people that just open up. Well, this gentleman said he wanted prayer for his new transition in life. And we, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that that now we understood what he probably meant by that. And even while praying, it was so hard because I, for, I forgot the name he, he went by, but it was a female name. And it was so hard because both me and someone else accidentally referred to him as her. And it slips out sometimes. It, it's, But it wasn't purposeful. It wasn't like we were doing it. We were praying. That guy wasn't even there. So sometimes that can happen. Um, the issue is, is that you're, there's ways you could deal with it in the work site. One way would be to say, listen, uh, I want you to understand that we, we, you respect my values, and if they say yes, then you can say, okay, well, my values is that I believe you're still the the biological gender you were born. And so I have a heart to, I, I, it would be against my convictions. If you know the person well, you might be able to do that. Now, if they say you have to refer to them by this new pronoun, mm. then they're, what they're saying is they're not respecting your, your views they're demanding their views. And then, well, I mean, then you have choices. You can call HR and say that they're not <laughs> respecting your views and start the thing so that it's not, you know, you don't have the issue later. Uh, but it, it's a thing where it depends. You have to know the people you work with. You have to know the environment. You have to know that. I mean, there's some people looking 
to to call themselves the victim and they're going to they're going to look to call HR on you the moment you you mess up especially if they know you're a Christian. So there's a lot of factors to it, a lot of different ways you could handle it. But let's not fall into the thinking it's actually a logical fallacy called the either or fallacy or the fallacy excluded middle depending how people want to refer to it. But the idea of that is to say you have to either use their pronouns from birth or use the pronouns of their transition and nothing else. No, there's other options. Some options I already gave you. Ask them to call you by your pronoun. And if they don't, if they don't respect your pronoun, you don't have to respect theirs. Because guess what? They, they're the ones that rejected using your pronoun first. Um, and you just, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Hmm? No, go ahead. No, no, just quickly, just because I got so many questions here, but just quickly. Now, is it now suppose you I'm um, just is just something I was thinking about when you were talking. Suppose your boss tells you that and can he threaten you with firing you if if um would that have you ever heard of that or is that the case? Can it is that legal well, or depending on which state you're in, many states <laughs> have a I mean, many states you're you're at will so they can fire you for anything. Yeah, exactly. And so they don't need to give a reason. And and truthfully, most places when they let you go don't give you a reason because they don't want to be sued. So if if they are going to let you go for uh, anything discriminatory, they're probably not going to tell you. If they do, well, okay, then you have some different options. Okay, well, praise the Lord. So here's this is more theological, I think. Maybe uh, this is this is an interesting. All these questions are pretty interesting. Uh, this one says the word homosexuality was not used in the Bible in First Corinthians six nine and First Timothy one ten until nineteen forty six. This is the question. This is a mistranslation. Why or why not? Well, yeah, the the reason the word doesn't exist in the Bible, it would be because the word didn't exist in the English language at the time the Bible was translated. So the, the word that was used like sodomite or to sodomize was in the King James. So you do have clear references to homosexuality, but the word Bible doesn't exist in the Bible. Does that mean the Bible doesn't exist? <laughs> go, go through and look. The word Bible's never there. Does that mean it doesn't exist? Obviously not. So the argument of that it has to be in a King James English Bible before the word existed. You know, in the King James, it refers to a unicorn. And people go, oh, see, that's that's a fantastical feat creature that doesn't exist yes it does because at the time of 1611 the unicorn was a single horned animal like a single horned rhinoceros and if you look in noah webster's dictionary at that time they would have a picture of a rhinoceros that's what they called a unicorn a single horned animal versus a binocorn a two-horned animal so at that time, the word had a meaning different than our day. No different than calling someone gay today. FDR was referred to as a gay man. It wasn't meaning he was a homosexual. It meant yeah. that he was very happy. That's Words true. change. And so, especially the fact that the our Bible was in Greek, Hebrew, and a little bit of Aramaic. So the fact is, the word homosexual is an English word that is only, what, 150 years old, maybe? Our Bible is a lot older than that. We wouldn't expect to see that. It's it's no different than the thing that people would say, well, the word dinosaur is not in the Bible. 
That's true because the word dinosaur is from, I think, 1940s. So, or sorry, 1840s. So the word didn't exist. It's a, it's a relatively new word, but there is a word in the Bible that we used to use for dinosaurs. It's called dragon. Mm. That's the word that had always been used to refer to what we now call as dinosaurs. So we see that and go, okay, the Bible does refer to dinosaurs. It just uses the word that they knew at that time. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, so I heard somebody, so on that same note, I heard, and again, I want to be careful because this is what I heard that may not be true. You know, they say that the Bible talks about the mustard seed being the smallest seed, and people say today, well, there's a smaller seed. But at that time, and again, I'm hearing this, at that time, that was the smallest seed at the time in the Bible. So I wonder if that kind of fits into what you're saying, if that's true. And I only heard that secondhand because somebody did say, well, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed, but at that time could have very well been. But um, yeah, it it's the, it was the smallest seed in that area, not the smallest seed in the world. Okay, and perfect. So, so Good part job. of the argument is because Jesus said the smallest seed, it has to be this. He he, if he's all knowing, must know there's a, a seed that is smaller. Well, what would it be if he said yes? That this is. The smallest seed, except for the one that's far, far away in a country you never heard of. Mm. Yeah, great point. Okay, so this, I, you know, some of these questions um, are are basically people asking for advice. And this one was one that, and this is probably the last one for this segment. But um, would you mind coming back one more segment, Andrew? I would come back as many times as you ask. Oh, uh, he's he's looking for a loan, I think. Um <laughs> So this is interesting. It says, I'm now a Bible-believing Christian. It is, okay, is it okay for me to get a tattoo on my face? I mean, it's not, just so you think I'm not making it up. It <laughs> He's holding up the paper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let, let's deal with the broader question. Are tattoos sinful? There's only one passage in all the Bible that refers to tattoos. And people will try to bring that up. And that one passage is in Leviticus. And in that passage, it is referring to people that are tattooing themselves as part of specifically part of being in a false religious practice. And therefore, it has a specific context that it's referring to. So is it sinful? Well, there's no passage in Scripture that we can look to and see that it says that it is that it's a sin. Now, there's a lot of other things to take into account. Getting getting a tattoo, it's a permanent mark. So what's the tattoo say? What's the purpose of it? These sort of things play into this. And so I think then you have to we have to look and say what's the motive behind it? What's it saying? And and just realize that culture has changed views on tattoos. Tattoos used to be a sign of rebellion. They're not anymore. And so you say, well, hey, now it's just artwork. Okay, what happens if in 30 years from now it becomes rebellious again? Seen by culture as being rebellious. You can't take it off. So it's not so much that it's so easy of saying it's a sin or not a sin. I don't think it's that easy. I think what we have to do is look at it and say, what's the motivation of getting it? But also, what's how does culture view that? Because it used to be very 
in our culture in the 60s to have long hair and a beard was a problem. In fact, my seminary, you could not have facial hair. Because when they started the seminary, facial hair was seen as rebellious. Mm. And when I got there, I asked, why can't we have facial hair? Like, what's what's the issue? And everyone just said, well, you just can't. I said, but why? What's the reason? When I finally got a reason, it was because of the 60s and rebellion. And I said, okay, is it still rebellious today? And they were like, actually, no. So they changed the policy because the culture had changed. It's, not, it's no longer seen as rebellious. Well, what happens with a tattoo, a permanent marking? I mean, if, if I have long hair, I can cut it short, but I can't remove the tattoo, or at least not easily. Uh, I do know someone who had tattoos all over his face and arms and actually all over his body. And because of that, when he became a Christian, some of the tattoos not being good, he actually had just blacked out all of the, ta- with with more tattooing. So he his whole entire face was black. His arms were, he just tattooed his entire arm, his entire body black to cover up the tattoos. That's what you have to do to get rid of it then. Well, you want to think through things like that. So it may not be a great answer for people that just want everything black and white, but that's often what we get with the Bible. We have to actually use our brains and think and look at the, the motives and things like that. And, and like you said, looking at the context, and I think it was in Leviticus, like you said, that was bearing the marks of probably idol worship or whatever, of of, of paganism or whatever it might be. And I, I don't like, I mean, I'm deathly afraid of needles, so you don't have to worry about me getting a tattoo. But, <laughs> but, but um, you know, like I said, so listen, um, I don't know, I started the time a little late, so we're at like 23 minutes here, and we probably started three minutes, so we'll probably need to end this. Andrew, I'm going to ask you to come back on the other side, um, if that's okay. And I will sign off now. I got a few more questions. Got a couple of theological questions. I do have a question I see there on a word that you may not be familiar with, predestination, but I'll get to that um, on the other side of the glass, they say. This is Pastor Dominic Romali with Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.